Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Gary Martin. Hello, Texas. Let's get together again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, corn harvest is well underway here in Texas, but unfortunately, it may not be that good of a year. Some farmers in those areas where we got a lot of rain, too much rain, well, they're not expecting much out of this year's corn harvest. We'll talk more about that to kick off today's show. Also, we're keeping a close eye on the cotton market. Man, it has been crazy here lately. We hit some high prices last week, and we're still hovering around the low to mid-90s. It's a great opportunity to price some of this year's crop. We'll have that story coming up also. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The sorghum crop in the Texas High Plains is doing so well, some farmers are even willing to brag about it. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The Texas Animal Health Commission is looking for your input on a set of rule proposals. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. Many years ago, a group came together to discuss marketing and input costs in farming, and it's proving to be just as important now as it was back then. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story from the Rolling Plains. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The corn harvest is getting underway in central Texas, but the crop may not be what many farmers are hoping for, thanks to Mother Nature's heavy rainfall this year. But it's too much, too much of a good thing. Um, You know, the fields just can't drain off all that water, and a lot of the corn stood in water and and stunted it. That's John Paul Deneen. He farms near Waxahachie, south of Dallas. He says he's not expecting much from his corn crop this year. The ears that we walked out in there, you know, scouting and looking, uh, it rained so much through pollination, the ears are not filled fully. They're checkerboard looking because they didn't fully pollinate uh, everything just because of all the rain. So unfortunately, you know, we're not, not looking for, you know, just a, a bountiful harvest. The rain also wrecked havoc on Deneen's wheat crop. He just finished harvesting on August the 8th. The EPA has once again banned an agricultural insecticide. Jessica Domel has the details. The Environmental Protection Agency is now banning use of the insecticide chlorpyrifos on food crops. Chlorpyrifos is the active ingredient in several insecticides, including Dersban and Lorsban. It may be used to target soybean aphids, spider mites, and corn rootworm. According to the EPA, it is revoking all food tolerances of the product to protect human health, particularly that of children and farm workers. The insecticide has come under fire in recent years due to claims it may have neurotoxic effects on humans, especially infants and children. 
Chlorpyrifos has been used as an insecticide in the U.S. since 1965. It was banned under the Obama administration in 2015. That ruling was reversed under the Trump administration. Corteva, the largest maker of the insecticide, stopped making it at the end of 2020 due to declining demand for the product. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cotton prices hit a nine-year high last week, but quickly retreated back to the low 90s. Gerald Key with Adobe Walls Gin and Spearman says this is a great time to price some of this year's crop. We hadn't seen a nine in front of cotton in a long time, and it's in the low 90s right now. And we're getting some inquiries about people want to lay some of that off, and I certainly would encourage people to look at at least a portion of the crop. Of course, the way contracts are written, it's got to be perfect quality, and that's the stinger every year when we have one of those low-mic years. You think you've contracted for 90 cents, and you end up with 82. But that's always going to be the issue is quality in the end. The December contract traded as high as 96.71 last week. That's the highest price we've seen in nearly nine years. The sorghum crop on the Texas High Plains is doing so well this year that you might actually hear some farmers bragging about it. James Hunt reports from Amarillo. For most of the Texas High Plains, we're probably talking another month, maybe a little more, before harvest will begin. But Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff says things are looking promising at this point. An assessment he's making based on what he's seeing in area fields and also on his screen. One thing I've noticed on social media, there's been a lot of farmers posting pictures of their sorghum this year, a lot more so than, than usual, and they're all bragging about how the sorghum looks. So that's a welcome sign that the sorghum crop is doing well. Dr. Bean says the sorghum in our region has benefited during this growing season from timely rains, relatively cool temperatures, and higher humidity. But while those are all positives, Unfortunately, we do have to mention the sugarcane aphid. It's probably in most of the counties now in Texas High Plains. In most cases, still, is not a threshold. There are exceptions to that. I think on the South Plains between Amarillo and Lubbock, there is some spring going on now that started, probably some started even last week, but uh, some of that is picking up. So there is some spring going on with threshold is being reached. But I think as you move further north, north of Amarillo, uh, there may be a few fields here and there that have been sprayed, but the most part, you know, you can find David if you really look, but sometimes you've got to really look. And again, on my trips moving north from Amarillo, I stopped at a couple of fields and I couldn't even find any aphids. But they're there in different fields, and so people do need to be scouting. Good advice there from Dr. Brent Bean of the Sorghum Checkoff. Before we close, here's another reminder about the Randall County Ag Day and Crops Tour. That's August 31st in Canyon. AgriLife is requesting an RSVP from anyone interested by August 27th. Call the Randall County Extension Office for more information and to sign up. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Animal Health Commission is looking for input on a set of rule proposals. Jessica Domel has that story. Texans have just a few more days to weigh in on a set of proposals and amendments to the Texas Administrative Code submitted by the Texas Animal Health Commission. One of the sections with proposed changes would impact export and import facilities. It outlines reporting, record keeping, and movement requirements for an owner or a person in charge of an export-import facility when an animal is removed from international trade. Another proposal would create new chronic wasting disease surveillance and containment zones in areas where the fatal neurological deer disease has been found this year. 
Other proposed changes would impact the following chapters, swine, reportable diseases, general practices and procedures, and market regulation. Dr. Andy Schwartz, executive director of the Texas Animal Health Commission, says the commission will review the public's input on these proposals and will either adopt the rule as it was proposed, make non-substantial changes, or pull the rule so it may be modified and reproposed at a later time. It is important for the interested parties, livestock owners in particular, but all interested parties to give some feedback to our commissioners. This is lined out intentionally so that there can be some feedback, be it supportive or not supportive or concerns shared. It helps our commissioners develop rules that are appropriate for the situation. The deadline to comment is September 5th. The full rule proposals are available on the Texas Animal Health Commission website. You can also email your comments to comments at tahc.texas.gov. That is comments at tahc.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Many years ago, a group came together in North Central Texas to discuss marketing and input costs in farming. And that group continues today. Barry Mahler says he's been a part of that group from the start. I don't remember exactly when it started, but I know it was over 20 years ago that the extension economist from the Vernon AgriLife Center, Stan Beavers, got a group together here in Wichita County to have discussions on things that affect farming and ranching on the rolling plains. With the help of the county agent, a group of farmers, ranchers, and agribusiness people began to get together on a regular schedule to talk about things relating to our industry. We had farmers and ranchers, but also a major equipment dealer, a grain and fertilizer operation manager, an ag lender, and of course the ag economist, and most of the time the area agronomist joined us. It was open discussion and mainly put together by the ag economist to get what he called some real-life prices on inputs from folks who probably bought some of them last week. Stan had developed some computer model farms and ranches that fit our area and needed some good current data. The meetings were well attended and the discussion was lively and were well, we were very fortunate to have neighbors talking about what was working and sometimes more importantly, what was not. I was fortunate to be included in that group and look forward to the sessions. They'd start with dinner at a local restaurant and then the discussion would last until late in the evening. We put numbers in the computer-generated operations with adjustments considering local weather conditions that would affect yields and put together some pretty good real numbers for the project and, well, got to do some what-if simulations, and that always is interesting. I remember one session in particular when we had spent quite a while working on the model with different cropping and grazing scenarios, and one member of the group said, we better quit and go home before we break this old boy, meaning, of course, the virtual operator of the model farm. The most important part was frank talk about what was happening in the business right now in our own backyard. Well, Stan's retired now from extension, although he still does some ranch consulting, and a new economist has been hired. His name is Francisco Abelio, and his title is Extension Specialist for Management. He's agreed to keep the group going, and we had our first meeting with him a couple of weeks ago, and another's planned soon. I'm glad to have that chance to visit with some of the best producers in the business, in my opinion, my neighbors. Folks out there getting the job done every day and not afraid to share their valuable experience with the rest of us. It probably won't work for everyone, but it's been a success here, and you might want to try to put something like that together in your own area. I would highly recommend it. This is Barry Mahler reporting from North Central Texas for Texas Ag Today. There's a new resource for Texans who may be interested in raising bison. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there's a common ligament disease in large breed dogs. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. 
When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. There's a ligament disease that can be somewhat common in large breed dogs. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says it can be corrected with surgery, but complications can occur. And there are several surgeries that can be used for a ruptured cranial cruciate ligament in a dog's leg. The cranial cruciate ligament is in the dog's knee or stifle, and a human has a similar ligament in the knee called an ACL, or anterior cruciate ligament. And just like people with a torn ACL, dogs with a torn cruciate typically need surgery. There are several different types of surgery for cruciate tears, but most large dogs require a procedure called a TPLO, in which the tibia is cut and realigned, and then a bone plate is applied to cause the bone to heal at a different angle. Obviously, this is a serious surgery, and is mostly performed by orthopedic specialists. And although most dogs do well with the procedure, and it is the most effective procedure on large breed dogs, complications can occur. Infections at the site of the surgery seem to be the most common complication and can occur in up to 25% of the cases in one study. The infection may be just superficial in the skin, but can also spread to deeper tissues and even to the bone and the plate that is applied to the bone. German shepherds are at an increased risk for infection as are dogs that are overweight, have an inexperienced surgeon, and those procedures that require longer surgical time, which may be related to the experience of the surgeon. And although the dogs walk better after surgery, there is still some instability of the joint in some cases that can lead to arthritis. Another complication, if lameness continues, may be a torn meniscus in the knee joint, and if not repaired, may be a source of residual lameness. This is Texas Vet News. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new resource for Texans who may be interested in raising bison. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. There's now additional help out there for Texans who are interested in adding a different type of wildlife or livestock to their operation. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service and the South Dakota State University Center of Excellence for Bison Studies recently released a new Getting Started with Bison Ranching Guide. Chase Brook, an AgriLife Extension agent for Collin County and co-author of the publication, said the goal is to show producers and potential producers the similarities and nuanced differences between bison and cattle and how management should reflect those differences. It's an introduction to bison ranching. You will have everything from an overview of bison to what kind of fences do you need, herd health considerations, what kind of forage they prefer, grazing habits and stocking rates. And so it's a really condensed overview of all the things that you might want to know if you were looking at getting started in bison ranching. Brooke says bison ranching is becoming more popular, but there are some things that people should know before diving in. Bison tend to fetch a much higher return per animal than some other animal 
operations do. And I think there's a lot of attractiveness for bison as a livestock or animal production option from a conservation side as well. Brooke worked on the publication with Dr. Jeff Martin, a graduate of Texas A&M University and director of research at SDSU Center of Excellence for Bison Studies. You can find that guide online by searching Getting Started with Bison Ranching. A link is also available on the Collin County Extension Office website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The cattle market kicked off the week with a bang following a bullish cattle on feed report released on Friday. We'll take a look at all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. As harvest begins, the American Seed Trade Association reminds farmers to be diligent in taking the proper precautions to ensure treated seed does not enter the domestic or export grain supply. When properly handled, seed treatments are an effective agronomic tool that provides seeds the necessary protection for a strong, healthy start. Completely remove all treated seed left in containers and equipment used to handle harvested grain and dispose of it properly. Always be careful to follow state and federal guidelines for proper handling, storage, and disposal of treated seed. For more information, visit seed-treatment-guide.com or contact your seed dealer. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We kicked off the week with a bang in the cattle market. USDA released its latest cattle on feed report on Friday afternoon. It looked like a fairly bullish report as the number of cattle in feedlots continues to decline. In fact, it was the lowest number we've seen since last September. The futures market reacted strongly to it with sharply higher prices for both live and feeder cattle. August live cattle up 217, 126.45, the October up 290 at 131.95, December live cattle up 230 at 136.82. Same story on feeder cattle, September feeders up $1.80, 167.30. The October contract up 305, closing at 170.67. No cash fed cattle trade to kick off the week on Monday. It looks like we do have a somewhat bullish outlook on the fed cattle market. Of course, with a big bump in futures on Monday. Plus, you look at a strong boxed beef market. Feedlots are hoping that adds up to some higher prices this week. Speaking of boxed beef, Monday we saw choice up 310. It's now at 348.77. Selects were up 94 cents at 318.60. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, when you hear cattle beller, it's time to talk to Ken Jordan. He had a sale in San Saba on Thursday. Ken, how'd that sale turn out? You bet, Larry. We had a good sale today. Ended up right at 1,300 head, about what we expected. I thought overall the market continued to be a very, very good demand. And I guess overall, really, really good activity from the buyers. They're very aggressive in their orders and everything. Sure, they need some cattle for lots of customers right now. I thought overall the stocker steers and heifers, they sold fully steady today. At 19 heifers, we had 522 today. Bought a dollar fifty-four on the heifers. They uh, totaled a dollar out, $803. I thought you got the bigger cattle, the feeder steers and heifers. They all sold steady. A few of them may sold a dollar too higher. We had one choice 
set of calves right off set of cows. There's 29 steers, weighed 836 at a buck 42 on those steers. One of the higher sets we've had in quite a while. They dollared out at $1,187 and change. Packer cows today, we saw just like we had Mason this week. We saw about two to four lower. Bulls are probably two to three lower. Most of that is a lot of cows, they say, that are being brought into Texas that are going to the packing houses around here. They're coming up north due to the drought. They're cleaning up a lot of those cows right now. So, But they're still real good money on those Packer cows as a whole. I thought pairs of bred cows, they were all steady. Uh, what few we did have, they are very active and good demand on those. So overall, real good seller. How about Monday for Mason? Look for another good run, probably around that 800, 900. We've had some good rain in the area, so that could possibly lower it down a little bit, depending on what conditions are like uh, coming in on the weekend. But look for a good run with this good market, Larry. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Ken Jordan. You bet. Then give us a call, area code 325-372-5159. And we've got close to 2,600 consigned for the next Saturday sale, Larry. Take a look at those consignments, a lot of pictures on those. And you can find that at jordanatcattle.com, Larry. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you Sunday evening. Okay, sounds great. Maybe that's it for this edition of Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Thank you, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Close lower on Monday. October hogs down $1.15, 87.47. The December down 30 cents, 81.40. Class three milk was higher. August milk up two cents, 16.03. September milk up 42 cents at 17.47, a hundredweight. The cotton market closed higher, getting support from a falling U.S. dollar and a rise in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. October cotton up 64 points, 94.54. The December contract up 26, closing at 93.36 cents. The corn market mostly lower. The September contract down three quarters at 5.38. December corn down one and a half. 535 and a half. Tight supplies continue to put a floor underneath the wheat market. We finished higher in both hard and soft wheat. September Kansas City wheat up two and a quarter, 704 and a quarter. New crop July up three and a quarter, 707 and a half. Soft wheat in Chicago saw the September up five and a half, 719 and three quarters, while the new crop July contract was up eight and a quarter, 722 and three quarters. Rough rice closing higher, September rice up 12, 1339 a hundredweight. November soybeans up two cents, 1292 and three quarters. September soybean meal off 670 to close at 346.60 a ton. In the energy markets, September natural gas was up nine cents, 394. October crude oil up 333 at 65.47 a barrel. We mentioned the strength in the Dow. It was up 215 points on Monday, 35,335. The Nasdaq up 227 at 14,942. The S&P up 37 points, 4,479. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here tomorrow to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you then right here on Texas Ag Today. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.